Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll begin reading there with verse 13, Hebrews 11, of course you know this particular chapter is chock full of good things to talk about and be encouraged by and also receive direction and challenge for our relationship with God. But I feel the Lord dealing with my heart about a few verses here in the middle of the chapter. In verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims, on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Isn't those verses so hopeful? Aren't those verses something that is inspiring to us? I want you to look at verse 15, and uh, there's a few words here that I really want to hone in on. And truly... If they had been mindful, everybody say mindful, of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. I want to use, I don't have a big subject title per se, but I just want to use the words of this verse, if they had been mindful, if they had been mindful could use as a subject title. It doesn't work perfectly, but I think you get the drift. Never mind. Never mind. But uh, we'll go with if they had been mindful. Let's, let's pray that the Lord God of heaven would anoint and bless in the remainder of our service here this morning. We need his word to find its intended target today. We need his word to do what it was set out to accomplish and uh, we know that it does not return void, but it is really up to us to be receptive. It is up to us to apply it to our hearts. It is up to us to be open uh, to the Word of God and the Word of faith as it goes forth. So right now, I want you to pray the Lord would help you today to be receptive to His Word. Would you pray that? God, I pray you'd anoint it to our hearts. Your Word by itself is anointed. Your Word is powerful. But it can only be as powerful to us as we yield and allow it to be. And I pray, Lord, today that you would allow the Word of God to be applied to the areas of my life that it needs to be. Let me be challenged if necessary. Let me be convicted if necessary. Let me be corrected if necessary. But whatever your will is today, I'm praying, Lord, that it could be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody help me in praising the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I think we ought to give him some high praise. The Bible talks about praise and then it talks about high praise. Somebody give high praise unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, if they had been mindful. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. I think all of us could agree, especially if you have read through this beautiful book of Hebrews, 
you could agree with me this morning that it is a very fascinating book, along with being one of the deepest, as far as theology is concerned, of all of the books of the New Testament. We know that the writer, some would say author, I choose to use the term writer because I believe that a writer is a creator and the one that comes up with the inspiration. And we know that this Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so they are just recording as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost uh, to write down what the Lord gave to them. And so there is a little mystery that is shrouded around who the writer of the book of Hebrews is. And it's, it's tantalized uh, theologians for years to try to guess and try to find out because it is not clearly stated in this epistle. Some have guessed that it is the Apostle Paul. And, and uh, there are those that argue that, that the style is different and there's a different way of writing here and so it couldn't possibly be the Apostle Paul. I want to clearly state this morning that I am not certain. I don't know for sure, just like anybody else. And then some have said it's uh, Barnabas and others have even said that it was Priscilla. And then there are those that have concluded that it must have been Apollos. But whoever the writer was of the book of Hebrews, he was anointed of God to write this, and you can feel the burden. You can feel, if you've read this, the concern that he has for these new believers returning to the Judaism that they were delivered out of due to their lack of understanding of the new, and you'll note this word throughout uh, this book is used oftentimes. Matter of fact, if you had to distill the book of Hebrews down to just one word, this is the word that would emerge, this better covenant. Better is the word that is used over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews. And really that's what the writer is trying to reveal to these people is that now we are living in a better day under a better covenant. We really truly have a better and more efficient relationship with God now than in any time. And uh, just in, at the outset this morning, I want to say that if a person doesn't receive that revelation, if they don't receive a revelation of the change that conversion offers them, the improvement, and uh, might I say the upgrade that it brings to your life and that it in fact gives you a better life. And it's not just a minor improvement. It's not just a little bit better. But it's a whole lot better when you come to the Lord. When you have the opportunity to be born again and you receive the change that comes with conversion and the connection and the hold and and the things that sin and the enemy lorded over you with has suddenly been broken through the power of being washed in the blood of the Lamb, through being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'd have to say I agree with the writer of Hebrews that this is a better covenant. This is a better life. This is a better way. And if all a person can see in their relationship with God, like these folks were struggling with, is all that they had to give up and all that they had to sacrifice and all that they had to surrender. And if there's a longing in their mindset and their thinking for the tradition that they were once involved in and going back to that, then they're going to be very limited in their relationship with God and they're going to be tempted to return to the pit from which they were dug. And as the Bible said, as a hog going back to the wallow or the mire that they were delivered out of. Amen. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to live that way. Amen. I don't want to have my mind continually thinking about all the things that had to be surrendered at an altar to live for God. Those things to me are just meager. Those things don't even really count. Those things were substitutes to what I have found now. 
Amen. I, I was searching and I was looking through sin to find something to fill the void and the vacancy of my heart. But when I got the Holy Ghost, I found the missing piece to the puzzle. Yeah, I said I found the missing piece to the puzzle. What you were looking for in the world and through sin and living uh, that life uh, and all of those things that you were so engrossed in, uh, can I tell you that they do not compare. In fact, uh, they're not even worthy to be compared uh, with what we received uh, when we went down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of our sins uh, and was filled with the Holy Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody ought to thank God today for the conversion that has taken place in you. Somebody ought to thank God today for the change that's been wrought. Somebody ought to praise the Lord here this morning. Oh, somebody ought to lift up your hands and say, I'm so thankful that I've been set free. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for the power of Calvary. I'm so that the Spirit lives and dwells on the inside of me. Amen. I could still be out there grappling. I could still be out there searching. I could still be out there reaching. and I could still be out there making a fool out of myself looking for something. Amen. Just something to keep me going. But I'm so thankful that I've got more than enough here this morning. I feel like the psalmist when he said, My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. Uh, my cup runs over. I, I don't just have enough to survive and to get by and to scratch out an existence. If that's how you live for God, you didn't get what I got. And there's a whole lot I could say that is available to you that you need to receive. Amen. I got joy unspeakable and full of glory. I got peace that passeth all understanding. When I got this, I've got an exceeding great reward. When I received this, I got something that elevated my life. Something that brought me out of the mire. Something that brought me out of depression. Something that brought me out of low living. Something that brought me out of the dissatisfaction that I had with sin. I'm so thankful that I got the Spirit of God on the inside. Somebody ought to wave your hand right now and give a little praise and thanksgiving to God. You've got to get that revelation of what it means to be redeemed. And when you really get that revelation, you'll have an appreciation that you need to praise God and to worship God. I don't understand people that come to church and sit on their hands. I don't understand people that cannot be moved to even say an amen when they think about the goodness of God. I cannot comprehend. I'm sorry. I cannot identify with you. I cannot empathize with you. Amen. All I can conclude is you must not have ever experienced the Holy Ghost. You must not have what I have on the inside of my heart. Amen. I'm not trying to come off this morning as though this is exclusive because it isn't. It's available to anybody and all and whosoever will. As many as the Lord our God shall call. That's what the Bible says. Amen. But when you come and you receive this glorious gift, when you get something as great and as awesome and as powerful as this, then you'll understand why we come to church and express the joy that we do and enthusiasm that we do because we've got an inward experience that causes us to want to testify just how good that God is. You know what I'm doing when I stand and clap my hands? I'm giving a testimony that He still delivers, that He still sets free, that He still changes people's lives. I tell you, a dead church is a church that has lost its appreciation. A praiseless church is a church that has lost its appreciation. A saint of God that can come to church and set mom on a pew and never lift their voice and praise is a church and a person and an apostolic that has lost their appreciation for the things of God. Amen. Praise God. I still am excited about it. I'm still thrilled about what God has done for me. But then the writer goes into discussing some things here and he says, 
in verse 13. These all died in faith. In other words, they were committed. Amen. They were unwavering. They were very focused. Oh, yeah. There was challenges along the way. All you got to do is read this chapter. People sawn asunder. People that, that received all kinds of persecution. It's talked about here in these verses. It's, it's, it's referred to the challenges to their faith. But their faith was strong and unwavering. And uh, the scripture says that they were not easily moved off of the things that they were persuaded of and they believed. Not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. I want to I bring that to light here this morning. I want to talk about that for just a moment here today. I haven't received it just yet, in other words. I haven't possessed it just yet as I would want to and like to. I haven't obtained it yet, but the key word is yet. I have seen it. Not, not speaking of natural sight, but speaking of spiritual sight. I've got a picture of it. What do you see? I want to ask you a question. What do you see God doing? In your life. Do you think you've seen all that God is capable of at this point? Do you feel like that you've seen all that God has promised up until this point? Do you feel like you've seen all that God is going to do for you and your family and your church up until this point? Do you think you've seen it all? Or what miracle do you have on your mind that you want God to do? What kind of mindset do you have? Get this. They seen it afar off, the scripture says. They had a vision of it. I want to ask this congregation today, how far can you see? From where you're standing at right now, how far can you see? In Genesis chapter number 13, when Abraham was finally separated, the Bible says, from Lot. And if you study this, the man Lot, his name, and we know that biblical significance is attached to names in the Scripture. And uh, there was a reason why people were given the names that they were. And there's a reason that we can still receive from that here today. But Lot, the Scripture says, his name, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means veil. And the Bible says that Abraham was separated from Lot. And immediately the Lord begins to remind him of the promise and the covenant that he had spoken to him before. And he was separated from that veil and was able to see. And the Lord spoke to him and talked to him about what he was going to do in his life. And in verse 14 it says... Uh, uh, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. And verse 15, for all the land which thou seest, all the land. I'm not talking about what you can't see. I'm talking about what you got vision to see, Abraham. What you see is what I'm going to give you. I can only give you what you see. Amen. He said, I will give it thee and to thy seed forever. Abraham, your victory is only going to be as big as your vision is. Come on, I want you to hear me this morning. Amen. Your victory is only going to be as great as your vision is. I position you in a place. I want you to turn 360 degrees around you and look in any direction. Northward, southward, eastward, westward. And as far as you can see, that's how big I am and how great I am. I'm able to give you everything you can see. But I'm going to limit it to what you can see and how far your vision reaches. I want to ask you as a church. I want to ask you as families. I want to ask you as individuals. Amen. How big is your vision? How big is your vision for what God is able to do? How big is your vision for revival? How big 
is your vision for what God is able to do in this city? I'm telling you, we have an exceeding great God. The Bible said he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or I think. I'm telling you, God is not limited. God is not bound. God is not inhibited. But it's up to you and I. I said it's up to you and I to get a vision for what God is able to do in our lives. What God is able to do through us while we wait on his return. I want to be working for revival. I want to be seeing God move. I want to see greater miracles than I've ever seen before. I ask you, how far can you see? What is it that you picture? Do you have a snapshot in your mind? I see God working in great ways in my life. I see God using me in great ways in the future. Come on, let's clap our hands and give praise to him right now. Again, I'm not, I'm not speaking about natural sight, but I'm talking about spiritual sight. Hebrews 11 begins in verse 1 by saying, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He's speaking about the natural there. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, you've got to have sight beyond just what you can see physically. You've got to have vision that goes far and above what you can see with these natural eyes. You may have 20-20 vision and still not have spiritual vision. I said you may have 20-20 natural vision and not have 20-20, or you may be blinded when it comes to spiritual vision. Bible talks about the God of this world having blinded their eyes. He wants to obstruct you from ever seeing the blessing of God in your life. He wants to hinder you. He wants to put something between you and your miracle so that you can't see it. Amen. I know some of you folks know what cataracts are all about. Some of you have had them removed, and, and it's quite an ordeal. It's, it's a common thing that happens. There's something there starts growing on the lens and covering up the lens there and instructing. It isn't it amazing. You you could have had one prescription of glasses and, and then suddenly go in and get that laser surgery and have that cataract removed from your vision. And it is amazing, amazing how much clearer you can see and just through that one procedure, just through a few moments uh, when they take uh, and, and, and let you out and, and finally your eyes, I guess, uh, uh, get adjusted enough. And then finally when you're able to see by the next, uh, uh, by the next doctor's visit, things is totally different and improved uh, uh, immeasurably because uh, uh, that, that thing that was shrouding your vision, that thing that was uh, hindering you was removed and taken away. I'm going to tell you it's the devil's business to obstruct people's spiritual vision. Oh, man, I could spend the rest of my time right here preaching. Amen. I could talk about people getting obstructed by offenses. I could talk about people uh, allowing things to hinder their sight and their vision because they're watching somebody else and judging somebody else and all wrapped up and concerned with somebody else instead of focused on what God needs to do through their life. Amen. Always, always focusing in other areas. Amen. And so that obstructs you from ever really seeing the blessing that God wants to give to you. I could talk about how the enemy tries to bring a trial or some sort of difficulty or challenge into our life to obscure our vision from seeing the blessings of God that are available in the revival that God wants to give to you and I. I want to tell you, I don't want to allow anything in this hour. I want the holy God of heaven to do surgery on us. Amen. Open Open my eyes that I may see. Amen. Open my eyes that I may get the vision of what you want me to have a vision of. Amen. I want to see things as you want me to see them, O God. 
the prophet Isaiah, the first five chapters of the prophet Isaiah's book, he is looking at this and he's looking at that. And it's all the negative things. It's all the things that are bad that he's focused on. And finally, the Bible says that he looked up and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And then he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Amen. And I am a man of unclean lips. I need you, amen, to help me to get my focus on you, Lord. I need you to renew my sight and to get my vision on the things that you're doing and how you want to help me and how you want to touch and what you want to transform and how that you want to correct things in my life. I'm going to tell you there's a vision that God wants to give every one of us of who he is and how great he is and how powerful he is to move in our lives if we'll allow him to. Come on, let's give some praise unto the Lord. But you you gotta you gotta get this vision before you can ever see it as a reality. Before it ever becomes a reality, you gotta get a snapshot of it in your mind. I've said this many times, but as a preacher, I've many times been in situations where you're preaching and there's no response, there's nothing to encourage by what you can see. It seems like faith is low. People are discouraged. People are disillusioned. Maybe life has hit them and uh, pulled them down into a place of doubt and unbelief. But you go into that situation, you cannot be as water and sink to that level. You cannot, you're not going to help them or minister to them if you come in and you're affected by what you see. But I... I, I read where the prophet was told by the Lord, don't look at their countenance. Don't, don't look at that. Amen. Get your focus on what I'm able to do. Amen. It doesn't matter how they respond necessarily. Amen. If I put a word in your heart, you need to have confidence that I'm able to bring it to fruition. Amen. Praise God. Don't, 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 don't change your message just because they're not responding to it like you would like them to. And, and so... Uh, I, I, I've known of situations where you, you could just tell faith had been sapped out of people because of circumstances of life. And you begin to preach, and suddenly you can feel there's a little, there's a little sense. It's not, it's not a lot, but you can, you can feel a pulse all of a sudden. And then you start seeing the breath come to their lungs. That's, that's what the Word of God brings life to people. That's how it began in, in the beginning in the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. He breathed life. I'm going to tell you the Spirit of God when it gets to moving, it still breathes life into people. I said it still brings life into hopeless situations. Praise God. When the Spirit of God gets stirred up and the Spirit of God gets to moving through the Word of God being preached and those two working together, something's going to happen. Something is going to take place. Something is going to be created and formed out of that. Can you say amen? And so the Bible tells me that, that, that as we preach the Word of God, just like Ezekiel, as he began to preach in that valley of dry bones, it was then that the Spirit was activated and began to move. And I'm going to tell you, in this place today, as the preaching of the Word of God is going forth, you don't have to wait on a formal altar call, but if you've got faith in your heart and can respond to the Word of God and mix your faith with the Word of faith, it can happen right there between those pews. People can be healed. Folks can be set free. Lives can be changed. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Did you come to be a skeptic this morning? Or did you come to receive the word of God? Did you come to receive the word of the Lord here this morning? And so I have often in those kind of situations, I've looked out and I've seen people that look like they were so far away that they would never be the one to come to the altar. And in my mind's eye, I'd imagine them coming down with tears running down their face, repenting. You say, is that mind over matter? No, that's not mind over matter. That's having faith in the Word of God that God is able to touch people. 
That's envisioning what you would like to see God do. Has it happened in every instance? No. But it's happened a lot more times when I believed and had that kind of faith than coming into a church service saying, well, it probably ain't going to happen today. It probably not expecting anything really catastrophic to take place here today. I'm not expecting a real move to happen here today. I'm going to tell you, if you got that kind of mindset, uh, there's nothing going to happen for you. But I'm so glad that your negativity and your lack of faith will not hinder those that are in this place uh, that have an expectation, that have faith in their heart, uh, that come to church with a hunger that said, I'm going to be feel today. I'm going to receive here this morning. I'm going to get something from God in this house. Come on, let's clap our hands and give praise to the Lord. So there's three things these people of Hebrews 11 did according to verse 13. The Bible says that they were persuaded. They were persuaded. Amen. Romans 4.21 says of Abraham, it says that he was fully, everybody say fully, fully persuaded that what he had promised, speaking of the Lord, that he was able also to perform it. God doesn't make empty promises. God doesn't speak things in his word that he's not able to do. God doesn't give us confirmation of things through the preaching of the word of God that he's unable to do and perform among us. But anything you read in this word, he's well able to perform it. But we, in order to receive it, have to be fully persuaded of it. Amen. You can't have a wavering faith. You can't have uh, an attitude, well, if it be, if it be just right, and if it be the Lord's will, Amen. Then I guess I'll accept that it can happen or it can take place. I'm going to tell you if it's in God's word, it's already God's will. I said if it's in God's word, it's already God's will. He said it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Come on, where are you at today? Amen. Does anybody believe the word of God? It's not his will that any should perish. It's not his will that one person within these city limits go to hell. Amen. Now, I realize there are choices involved in that, but we need to be fully persuaded that God has promised us a revival, that God has promised us souls, that God has promised us great things. Oh, somebody needs to sound off in faith today that I'm fully persuaded of it. Second thing it tells us in verse 13 there, it says that they embraced, they embraced more than just mental assent here, more than just agreeing that it's possible. Uh, embracing means, according to Webster, full acceptance, and it also uses the word enthusiastic acceptance of. Amen. Enthusiastic acceptance. Praise God. It's not just, well, yeah, I, I could agree that that could happen, but an enthusiastic acceptance is embracing Oh, yeah, I'm receiving this. I'm taking this in. When you embrace something, you, you, you bring it close and you accept. You accept this is the way it is. This is the Word of God. And I'm accepting this. You know, that's what we do when we come to church and we pray and we believe God and we have faith. Our faith is getting engaged because we're embracing the promise of God. When we worship, that's what we're doing is we're embracing what God is wanting to do and submitting ourselves to His ultimate will for our lives and for that service. That's what we're doing when we're embracing. They embraced. They embraced. They fully accepted the will of God. And then the Bible says they went a step further. It says that they confessed them. Yeah. First of all, they were persuaded. Second of all, you'll never embrace something you're not persuaded of. And then they embraced it. And once they embraced it, the Bible says it affected their conversation. I'm going to tell you, faith and the lack of faith shows up in a person's conversation. And the way that they talk. 
Amen. They're either going to have faith on their lips. Amen. When they converse with people and talk to people or they're going to have doubt and unbelief and skepticism on their lips. Always talk about how bad it is. Always the cup is half empty. Always having to stop at the red light. I'm going to tell you that thing is green just as much as it's red. It's your perspective about things. I'm going to tell you when you enter into this place you can get concentrated on all the things that you see wrong or you can see what's right. I'm going to tell you the word of God's being preached and that's right and if it's ever been right you ought to you ought to get up and say God I'm fully persuaded of it I embrace it I receive it I bring it into my heart and I want to see you work and now I'm confessing it come on let's give some praise to him right now Yeah, they confess them. Verse 14 says, For they that say such things declare plainly. There's no double speak. You know, there's some people they can talk, and when they get done, after a long period of time, you still scratch your head and wonder what exactly they said. I've heard preaching like that before. This exactly what did they mean? Exactly what was the point? They declared plainly. Amen. You're looking at one guy that's not afraid to declare plainly. No disclaimers. No reluctance. No apologetic statements when it comes to the Word of God. When it comes to what God is able to do. Verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful, if they had been, mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return if they had been mindful. If Abel had been mindful, he would have not given an excellent sacrifice. If Enoch had been mindful, he would not have walked with God until he walked right off of the face of the earth and he would not have pleased God. If Noah had been mindful of the crowd that was around him and what they were saying and the mockers and the doubters. Had he succumbed to the unrighteousness of that Andalusian age, he would have never built an ark. And I'll take it a step further, he would not have been saved, nor the seven other members of his family. They'd have all perished in the same judgment that the rest of the world perished in. If he had been mindful. If Abraham had been mindful. He would not have embraced. And he would not have confessed. And he would have not declared plainly. That God is able. To do what he said he was going to do. Though it seems impossible. Though it seems like. It could never happen. I believe. And I am fully persuaded of the fact that God is able to do it. And I declare it plainly. And I believe and I'm not mindful of turning back or doubting God. If Isaac had been mindful, he would have trusted. He would not have trusted his father and his father's faith and submitted himself to what was going on because we have indication there that he was well strong enough uh, to, to get out of that had he wanted to. But he also had faith that God was able to perform his promise in his life. And that, that it didn't matter. It didn't matter if we'll just be obedient to God and if we'll just do God's will. We don't need to overthink it. I told somebody the other night, you can't approach everything in the Word of God with human logic. It just doesn't work. Come on, I, I noticed the amens kind of kind of uh, fell out there just a little bit because that seems so counterintuitive to you and I. But I'm going to tell you something. There's things in this word, uh, stepping out on water, that's counterintuitive. Uh, stepping out of a boat in the midst of a storm and the wind's blowing out on water. We know that human, human logic says we cannot survive. We cannot make it. We cannot walk on water. But I want to tell you when the Word of God says it uh, and we obey, 
obey it and we embrace it and we do what the Word of God says, impossibilities become a reality. And that's just the way it is. There's nothing logical about some of the things as far as humanly. Amen. Because we can't always see how it's going to work out. But when we're obedient to God's Word, then in hindsight we can see, hey, that was the best decision. That was the best choice. Amen. That was the right way. I'm going to tell you, if you hang on to your faith and you live for God and you live righteously in the world, amen, they may resist it, they may make fun, they may mock, but I'm going to tell you, when you get across into that city where the Lamb is the light and you look back, I promise you, you're not going to be mindful of anything that is in this world. And you're going to be thankful that I didn't obey the culture, that I didn't go along to get along, but I followed the Word of God. Praise God. Praise God. The problem with Israel in the wilderness is they were, as they were stuck there for 40 years, wondering, it's because they were mindful of Egypt. When, when, when they had to get a little challenge, get a little resistance, a little trouble. I mean, it happened right off the bat. They didn't hardly get out of sight of Egypt. And they were mindful of going back. When they saw the Red Sea, they were mindful of returning to Egypt. You got us out here in the desert, Moses. Look at this. We're going to perish. Yeah, we we came out of the desert, but look, we're going to perish out here. and, And we're going to be overtaken by the Egyptian army. And even when the wind was blowing in their face, that was parting the sea so they could walk across. They were complaining and they were murmuring about the resistance and the wind that was blowing in their face. Look. Look. They were mindful. We can go back and we can eat garlics and leeks. I don't know much about leeks. I think it's akin to garlic, but I do know about garlic. And I can't see why anybody would be so thrilled about going back to a diet of garlic. When God is able to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. Come on, there's nothing to be mindful of really when you think about it. And they wanted to go back to their security. They wanted to go back to what they were familiar with. They wanted to go back to that, that mindset of living and surviving and getting by. Just merely getting by in Egypt. It's important to focus on where we're going and not where we've been, folks. Amen. You've got to progress in God. Amen. Somebody that's always talking about 20 years ago, it's because they hadn't had anything happen for them in a long time. They hadn't had any prayers answered for them in a long time. They haven't been hungry to see God move. If you're always talking about the distant past, my friend, there's something wrong with that because the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still able. He still wants to. Is there a desire in your heart to see move? Is there a desire in your heart for greater things in God? Because the Bible challenges us to go from glory to glory. Amen. I don't want to live in the past and the smoke of what used to be. But God put me in the fire because I want to see you move and work. It was Naomi that said, I'm going back. I'm going back to Bethlehem. You, you, you two daughters-in-law, you can stay here. And Ruth said, I'm going with you. Your God's going to be my God. Your people's going to be my people. I'm going to embrace this. I wasn't raised this way, but I'm going to embrace this. I don't know all the customs, but I'm going to embrace this. Because I want to serve your God. And Orpha said, you know, that sounds like a good idea. I don't want to leave Moab anyway. And the Bible said that she looked back to it. She was mindful of Moab. And so we have a book of Ruth. And uh, Orpha, she just kind of dissipates from the pages of the Bible and you don't hear anything more about her. I'm going to tell you, if you want a legacy, you can't be mindful 
of the things of this world. If you want to truly live for God in victory, you cannot be mindful of the culture of this world and trying to fit in with this world. You got to be heavenly minded. You got to keep your mind upon Him. We we sing a song, My Mind Stayed on Jesus. I'm going to tell you, there's more truth to that song than it just having a good little melody and, and it being a good jingle. I'm going to tell you, there's truth in that. You got to have your mind stayed and fixed. And that, isn't that what the psalmist said? He said, My heart is fixed. Amen. I got my mind made up. As long as you're mindful, as long you hear people that's always talking about what they used to be in the world and what God delivered delivered them out of it in some kind of a romantic uh, uh, view of, of what it was like before they came to God and they're always talking and bragging about how bad they used to be and how they used to fight and how they used to drink and how much beer they could drink and how much whiskey they could swallow and, and all those kinds of things, how much dope they smoked and all that kind of stuff. You need to quit all of that. Because when you receive a love for God, amen, you hate those things that you used to be. Those things are crucified. Amen. Those things are under the blood. Quit dredging them up and romanticizing them and telling God forbid, telling your children about them and making them some great thing. I'm ashamed of what I used to be. But now that I'm blood-bought, now, amen, that I'm a child of God, I'm thankful that I don't have to dwell on that anymore. Oh, come on, stand to your feet right now. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Don't be mindful of it. Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost with many other words. He exhorted them, the Bible says, Save yourself from this untoward generation. A generation that, that can't get their mind made up. A generation, amen, that as long as this is popular, I'm with this. As long as this guy's popular, I'll vote for him. As long as I can ride this one's skirt tail, then I'll go up with that. Amen. No, 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 no. Amen. You don't need to be mindful. You don't need to be mindful of those things. You need to realize, amen, this is an untaught generation, but my heart is fixed and my mind's made up. I'm on a serve God. I'm going to live for the Lord. So I'm going to tell you how to do it as the musicians come. Romans 12. We know that it starts out saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we stop there a lot of times. It says in verse 2, and be not conformed. Be not conformed. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to let this world shove you into a position and a place that you as a child of God who is peculiar don't belong. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God renewed mind if you want to conform to this world let me tell you how to do it just don't be renewed in your mind very often because there's enough talking heads and there's enough spirit of this old world that is trying to influence people and it's around us every day if we're not cleansed by the washing of the word of God and we're not renewed in our minds we're going to go back and we're going to be conformed to this world's thinking. And every action and every lifestyle begins with thoughts and being mindful of. Wonder what it, I wonder what the old, old gang's doing tonight. I wonder what the folks that I used to run with, I wonder what they're involved in. I wonder what it feel like to go do this and be a part of that like I used to. Mindful. Pondering those things. Dwelling on those things. Stop thinking and pondering on things that are not of God. But be like David. He said, my delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth I meditate day and night. I keep my mind focused. Oh, I keep my mind focused on the things of God. If they had been mindful 
If they had been mindful, the scripture says, it says of the country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. I'm going to tell you, the devil is a student that watches our behavior, watches our lives, and if he sees and observes that we're being mindful of the things that God has brought us out of, he's going to provide an opportunity. He's going to leave the door open wide for you to go back to whatever it is. But I wonder if there's somebody like that love servant in the book of Exodus that when he was given the opportunity and was free, said, you've served your six years, it's the seventh year, you can go free. And the only way, the only way that this can be overturned is for you to plainly say, did I not tell you that the scripture says they declared plainly? plainly say I love my master and I love his household come on I wonder if there's anybody that could come to this altar today and plainly say I love my master and I love the church and I'm not mindful of going back I'm not mindful of this world I don't want to return I'm not looking back Amen. But I got my mind made up. I'm going forward. I'm progressing further. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be more for God. I'm going to tell you, God can deliver you out of a lot of things. God can help you to overcome a lot of things. But if you continue to dwell on and think of and be mindful of all the things you could be doing out there. Amen. If I wouldn't live for God, if I didn't have to make this consecration, if I didn't have to be so separated from the world, I'm going to tell you, you're on your way back, my brother, if that's your mindset, that somebody ought to declare this morning plainly, I love God too much to be mindful of the world. I love God too much to be thinking about those things and dwelling on those things. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not looking for some kind of exit strategy, but I got my mind made up. Amen. I have decided once and for all to serve the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, reach over to somebody. Let's pray together right now. There's people in this room that need to be reaching out to God. There's folks here today that God's wanting to touch your heart. God's wanting to help you.